All right, let's turn to Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark chapter number four. This little message, I, I think I first preached this in 1978, about a year and a half after I got saved and thought I'd dust it off and bring it up here this week. It, uh, it's still true, it still works, and it's, uh, it's salvation start to finish. It's how we're saved, it's how saved people live, it's where saved people end up. Let's read this passage together and then we'll go back and, and talk about it tonight. Mark chapter 4 starting at verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Father, we're so thankful tonight that we have your words in our language to read tonight, to study. We pray, God, they take hold of our hearts and work effectually in us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want you to see, first of all, that in verse number 35, Jesus Christ says to all who are within earshot of his voice, let us pass over unto the other side. There's all kind of songs and sermons and poems and, and things that have been said and written through the years about going from here to heaven, crossing Jordan, crossing the sea, landing on the far shore, reaching the other side. We even sang some songs tonight that uh, mention those themes and those ideas. I want to say to you tonight that it was God's idea to take us to heaven. It wasn't our idea. This, this matter of salvation did not start with man begging God to save him. It started with God coming down in a garden seeking fallen man. And from that day to this, the Bible says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Aren't you glad tonight that before you even knew you were lost, a God who knew you were lost had already devised a plan and a means whereby your sins could be forgiven, your soul could be saved, and you could get to that other side. What a blessing when a witness came, maybe to your door, maybe to your job site. They had a message to proclaim from the Lord. It, it wasn't my idea, it wasn't your idea. We weren't out there seeking for God or seeking salvation. Not until he first, through his Holy Spirit and through his witnesses, began to invite us and to, to woo us and to encourage us, come, let us, let us go to the other side. You know, it's, it's, it makes sense that man would want God. It makes sense that man would want forgiveness and salvation and eternal life. It really, is, it really boggles the mind to think that God would desire to save sinners. It's really incredible to think that a God who could make sun and moon and stars and planets and this earth with all the beauty of this earth and, and could feed all the birds and all the beasts of the field and clothe all the lilies and, and all the rest of those things, that God would set his love 
upon us and his desire upon us and that sitting up there in heaven with those cherubim around the throne crying holy, holy, holy and the worship of all the, the uh, heavenly hosts and beings that God would look past all of that and say that man right there I'd love to save his soul. That woman right there I'd love to save her soul. Isn't that an amazing thing? So Jesus said let us pass over unto the other side. Now I want you to see in verse 36 there's three things that these men had to do, these women had to do, three things they had to do to sail with Jesus to the other side. It, they were all invited, they were all welcome, but there's some things they had to do before they got from this side to that side. And I'll tell you, if you're gonna get saved, you're here tonight, you're not saved, you'll have to do these three things. If you're here tonight, you are saved, it's because you did these three things in order to be saved, to get on board that ship with Jesus. First of all, verse 36 says, and when they had sent away the multitude, when they had sent away the multitude, the majority of people in Manitoba are not believers in Jesus Christ. The majority of people on your job are not believers in Jesus Christ. The majority of students in your school, maybe, you, well, if there's three of you homeschooling, uh, that's, that's a different matter, but you, you go to government schools, public school, the majority of students there are not believers in Jesus Christ. In your life, there is a multitude that multitude does not want you to be a fanatic. That multitude does not want you on a narrow road. That multitude does not want you in a Bible-believing church, dressed like a Christian, singing like a Christian, living like a Christian. That multitude wants you to join them in a beer, to join them in a lie, to join them at the dance hall, to join them in using foul language. That multitude is not interested in going to the other side. Sir, if you want to get saved, you're going to have to save that crowd you've been running with by Bye-bye, I'm leaving. If you, want to, if you want to get to the other side, you're going to have to say maybe to some kinfolk, maybe to some family member, I'm not doing sacraments anymore. I'm not doing rituals anymore. I'm not following a prophet anymore. I'm not following a, an animus traditional religion anymore. There's a man named Jesus, and that man has invited me to sail with him to the other side. And, and every one of us, it, it might have been a small group, it might have been a large group, but if you're going to sail with Jesus, it's going to have to be just you walking up that gangplank and getting on that ship, it's not a group program, it's an individual program. You gotta, you gotta trust him as your own. Then second, the Bible says, they, uh, he sent away the multitude, they took him. They took him. Now I know that sounds simple, but you look at what people were told this morning in churches, in synagogues, in mosques, in temples, all over this world, people were told, take this sacrament, perform these deeds, say these prayers, light these candles, flip these beads, perform these services, go on these missions, anything but Him. Isn't that right? That's what religion is. It's anything but Jesus Christ. We had an amazing thing happen just this past week. I was working there at the church and a man walked in, 41 years old. And I said, can I help you? He said, I need some help. I said, what kind of help do you need? He said, I'm afraid I'm going to hell. You don't hear that very often these days. And I said, well, what, what makes you afraid you're going to hell? He said, well, three times in my life, I promised God if he would get me out of something that I would live for him. And all three times he got me out of it and I'm still not living for him. And I'm just certain that I deserve to go to hell. Now, you know what? That fellow's a lot closer to salvation 
a lot closer to salvation than most people you know ever meet. A man 40 years old this day and age who believes in God, a God of judgment, and a God who sends sinners to hell, that's a rare bird. But as we began to talk, you know what I found out? Through 40 years of religion, churches and ministers and organizations had put so many obstacles in that man's path that he couldn't find his way to get on board the ship. He thought he had to do this and had to do that and had to give up this and had to start doing that and had to join this and had to profess that. And I, I said, sir, listen, you got to take him. You got to take him. It's not Jesus plus your good works. It's not Jesus plus your rituals. And it's not Jesus plus your endurance. It's him. It's him. The only one who can save your soul and get you from this side to the other side is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to offend anybody. I didn't come up here to be controversial. But a Baptist church didn't die on the cross nor did a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church or a Catholic church. Mormons didn't die on the cross. Jehovah's Witnesses didn't die on the cross. Buddhists didn't die on the cross. Listen, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, shed his blood on the cross of Calvary to pay for our sins, and he's the one that rose from the dead. Not Muhammad, not Confucius, not Joe Smith. It's Jesus Christ who rose from the dead, and you want to get saved, you got to take him. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. But wait, but wait. Three things I said. What's the verse say? They sent away the multitude, that's one. They took him, that's two. But then they took him, even as he was, in the ship. I'm sure Canada is just like the USA. Everybody's got their own Jesus. Some people have a pot-smoking Jesus. Some people have an adultery-approving Jesus. Some people have a, a, a rock-and-roll Jesus. Some people have a Jesus who is just a man. Some people have Jesus who's just one of the, one of the superheroes like Muhammad and Moses and, and Batman and, and all the rest of them. But you know something? The, the Jesus who will save you, the Jesus who will get you to the other side, let me tell you who he is. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's almighty God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning, and, and that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's God the Creator. Jesus Christ, the Jesus that will save you, was born of a virgin. He's not a sinful man who worked his way up to a throne. He's the God who came down to this earth and became man. He left the throne to come down here and live as a man. The Jesus Christ that saves you shed innocent blood, perfect, sinless blood on the cross. The Jesus Christ who saves you said, I am the way, the only one, the truth, the only one, the life, the only one, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. Listen, these people, our politicians say it, and, and probably yours up here do as well. They say, well, there's many roads to lead to heaven, but I believe in Jesus. You, th those two sayings are entirely contradictory. They say, well, I believe in Jesus, but I think, I think these people have a valid faith, and these people have a valid faith, and, and one God's as good as another. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus that gets you to the other side is the only God, the only Savior, the only hope of everlasting life. And you got, listen, you got to not only take Jesus, you got to take him as he 
is. Your pastor and his wife, uh, we, we've grown up in, in fundamental churches and in conservative churches. And I'll tell you, for, for decades there, it was all the rage to just sow somebody three verses and get them to say a prayer right quick and, 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 and coronate them or pronounce them Christians, saved. And then you find out two weeks later in the Sunday school class when you're teaching on the deity of Jesus Christ, they don't believe that. And when you tell them Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, they don't believe that. And when you tell them that Jesus, three days and three nights after he's crucified, rose from the dead, they don't believe that. You know what that means? They said a prayer to a Jesus that isn't this one. And they, they called out on somebody and said, can I sail with you? But he wasn't the captain of the boat that's going to get to the other side. I want people saved. But they don't get saved without the right information. And I want people saved, but they don't get saved unless they believe on the right Jesus. And let's make sure that we're not trying to get people to, to say a prayer like, like somebody else would try to get people to, to flip a bead or light a candle. Let's make sure we are presenting to people the truth of Jesus Christ. Is that fair? Because if you're going to sail to the other side, you're going to have to take him as he is. Somebody said, in the beginning, God made man in his own image. And since that day, man's been, been trying to return the favor. That is, people are busy trying to make a God after their image. And that's, that's not the way it works. So, okay, so these men, they get on board this ship. And the Bible says they, uh, they uh, took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Now, we can't dwell on that, but we'll get a jump ahead in the story to, to tell you why it's significant there were other little ships. Because at the end of the tale, when the storm is over, there aren't any other little ships. After the wind, after the waves, after the, after the terrible uh, experience at sea, there's one boat that gets to the other side. There aren't two, there aren't five, there aren't ten. In the safe harbor, listen, in the safe harbor, any religion has the possibility, the capability of making you a better person. It might make your life better to join a lodge. It, it might make your, your family better to, to join a, a circle of, 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 of uh, any sort of, of belief system. But I'm telling you, when the storms of life come, and when that old grim reaper comes and finally takes you out, you'll find there was one ship that was seaworthy. There was one ship strong enough to make it through every single storm of life. And it wasn't a religion ship, and it wasn't a denomination ship, and it wasn't a lodge ship, and it wasn't a cult ship. It was the one with Jesus Christ on board as the captain of our salvation. So, so you say, well, I think one religion is good as another, and I used to have this problem, then I joined this religion, and now I'm doing better. That's great, as long as you stay in harbor. That's great as long as you stay in port. But to sail to the other side, you got to be in the one vessel that has a captain on board that can get you through every single storm. And the Bible says there's only one. There's only one. That's, G that's Jesus Christ. You're like, that's pretty narrow-minded. I didn't make this up. Don't find fault with me. He's the one said that he's the only way. All right. So look, look what happens verse 37. Just like we saw this morning, who would have ever expected there arose a great storm of wind. You think that's what they signed up for? 
Do you think that's what they anticipated? Do you think if Jesus had said, who wants to sail into a great storm, he would have had any takers? No, he said, let's go to the other side. And they wanted to go to the other side. They didn't want the wind. They didn't want the waves. They didn't want the storm. But, but here it is. There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Now, i got to tell you the truth. That bothered me for years. I believe everything in the Bible. Everything in the Bible doesn't make sense to me. I believe everything in the Bible. I don't understand everything in the Bible. I, I used to think, now how can the ship be full and Jesus is asleep on a pillow? What's he got, gills? <laughs> he got a snorkel? I mean, what's, what's going on here? And, and then I got, look at that word full other places in the Bible. And full, it doesn't mean you couldn't put any more water in the boat. It means you couldn't put any more water in the boat without sinking the boat. It had taken on all the water it could take on. In addition, those men had taken all the storm they could take. Now, here's two things. One I don't like, but I've got to live with it. And one I do like because I've got to live with the first. The first is... The fact that you have trusted Jesus and gotten on board that old ship of Zion and are sailing to the other side does not exempt you from the storms of this life. Does not God send the rain upon the just and the unjust? Does he not send the sunshine on the just and on the unjust? Well, then it is also true that he will send the wind and the waves and the storms upon the just and upon the unjust. And if you've been saved any length of time, there have been some winds blow through your life you never thought were coming. There have been some high waves in your life you never anticipated. And, and yet, here, here's the great part about it. Jesus Christ, in your life, in your life, in your life, he knows when you are full. He knows when you have had every measure of trouble that you can handle and he'll, he'll stop it right there. He'll stop it. That, that he is not going to let that ship sink. Hallelujah. But I'll tell you what, he'll take it farther than you thought it could go without sinking. I get out there on that, on that ocean and, and, and those, those boats get going up and down and tipping sideways and those waves will be hitting. And I, I'll tell you, it, it, sometimes it makes me nervous. And then I, then I look and the crew working on the ship, they're just laughing, joking. I think, well, it can't be that bad because they do this all the time and, and, and they're okay. They're trusting that these waves are not too big for this boat. They're trusting that these winds are not too strong for this boat. Now flying, flying terrifies me. I've been flying, I, I, I have no idea how many miles I've flown in the, in the air through all these years and it doesn't get any better. Every time that plane hits a little bit, a little bit of a bump, I'm, just, I'm terrified, I'm grabbing that armrest, I'm so, it just it scares me so bad. And, and my wife, she said, well, it don't scare you to be out on the ocean, how come it scares you when the airplane starts bumping? And I said, because I can swim. I can't fly. <laughs> That plane starts going down, guess where you're going? 
This guy, uh, who's taking a flight anytime soon? I don't want to talk about these things. You're getting on a plane. This, I read this book one time. Cause I'm trying to figure out a way to, you know, learn enough about it where I'm not afraid when I'm flying an airplane. You know, a, an aluminum tube going 500 miles an hour, seven miles above the ground. That don't scare you. You're good for you. It terrifies me. Anyway, so I'm reading this book, and the guy says, he's, he's writing these questions. And it says, uh, what is the black box made of on airplanes? Because, you know, they survived the crashes. And, he, and, the, and so the guy explained what it was made of. And the second question was, um, why don't they make the airplane of the same material? And the answer was, it'd be too heavy to fly and this and that. And the third question was, where do they put the black box? And they said, it's in the very, very back of the tail of the airplane because that, that, it's more likely to survive the crash there. Now, question number four was, this didn't help. Said, so am I safer sitting in the back of the plane than in the front of the plane if it crashes? And the man said, that's like asking which end of the banana goes in the blender first. <laughs> that didn't help me at all. <laughs> now, I'm telling you something. When that plane gets, gets bumping and I'm scared, I look at those stewardesses. I still call them stewardesses. They say, they, now they're supposed to call them flight attendants. Everybody on the plane is attending the flight. But <laughs> I'm a flight attendant. What do you? So, anyway, and, and, and so they're okay, and I try to tell myself they're not scared, so this plane can handle it. My wife and I flew from Tel Aviv to Athens, and they told us after it landed that airplane hit three wind shears coming across the Mediterranean. Three times that plane started diving and you could feel the pilot trying to pull it back up and that plane shaking and vibrating. This is true. I'm telling you, the truth is not a preacher story. This is truth. The stewardesses were strapped in their chairs praying rosary beads and crying. That's when it's time to freak out. <laughs> when they know they're going to die, you are in trouble. And so we were all on board that ship. <laughs> I don't know if the pilot was asleep or not. Anyway, so here's this. Listen, this is this is unpleasant truth. Great storms will come our way, even though we're sailing with Jesus. But here's the follow-up great truth. He knows how much that vessel can take and he will not allow one cup of water more than your vessel can handle. He's not going to let that thing sink. What a blessing. Now, look what happens. They, the Bible says they, he's asleep on a pillow. They wake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You know why they said that? Verse 41, Jesus said, how is it that ye have no faith? No faith. Now, let me talk to you real honest tonight. This is, this, maybe this part two of what we said this morning. Real honest tonight. When your child gets sick and doesn't get better, you will say things to God that when your child was well, you didn't think you could ever say to God. When you're sitting at funeral home 
and, and somebody died before their time or somebody died in a terrible, tragic way, you are going to think some thoughts about God that you never thought a Christian could think. Come on, these men are accusing Jesus Christ of not caring. They're accusing Jesus of misleading them. You talked us into getting on this boat just to get us out here in this water, and now we're going to drown in this storm. Don't you care? Now listen, it is not right to think those things. It is not right to say those things. They are spoken by people who have completely lost their faith and confidence in Jesus. And if you've never been in that kind of a storm, bless your heart, I hope the rapture happens tonight so you never get to have one. But our churches are full of people that have had things happen they never expected. And it hit them harder than they ever thought they'd be hit. And they said some things to the preacher about God. And they said some things to God walking the hall outside that hospital room. And they said some things to God as they sat and looked at the finances falling apart. And they said some things to God when he didn't answer their prayer and the home disintegrated. Listen, I'm telling you, we've all questioned God. We've all doubted God. We've all had times after we trusted him enough to get on board, that we quit trusting him. You know what you find in Mark chapter 4? He didn't throw one of them overboard. Now listen, that's a blessing. That's a real blessing. You have to put faith in Jesus Christ to get on that ship. But once you're on that ship, you know what the Bible says? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith, think about it, what's it say? Of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. My faith gets me on board. His faith gets every passenger to the other side. And I'm glad of that. Because there are some people here tonight and they wouldn't admit it. They don't want to admit it. They don't want to go back and think about, about those, those dark hours. And I don't want you to go back and think about them. But there have been times in your life when your faith failed. And here you are, still in the ship. And here you are, still sailing with Jesus on the other side of the storm that made you doubt, on the other side of the storm that made you say some things to God or think some things about God that just weren't right. But he didn't say to one of them, that's the way you feel about me? Never tossed a one of them overboard. How about that? Now the other gods, read the book of Jonah, they'll throw you in the sea. But Jesus... He kept everyone that walked up that gangplank and got on that ship, he kept them on board even when their faith failed. I don't ever want to doubt the Lord. I bet I will. I don't ever want to question God. I have. And I'm still on board. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Bible says, now watch, verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind. And said unto the sea, Peace be still. <laughs> and the wind ceased. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, your majesty. That wind's roaring and Jesus said, Shh. And it just settled right down. 
and those waves are churning and Jesus said, stop. And he just sat right there on the ground. Isn't that amazing? What a blessing. Now, if you're a Bible marker, if you like to underline things in your Bible, look at verse 37, a great storm. Look at the end of verse 39, a great calm. Whatever, whatever's going to hit you between here and there, Jesus is equal to the event. Whatever troubles and trials come your way, Jesus is strong enough to handle it. Little trial, little power from Jesus. Medium-sized trial, <laughs> medium power from Jesus. Great, overwhelming, faith-destroying trial, great power from Jesus to counter that thing and meet the need of the hour. Those disciples had no power. Those sailors had no strength, but Jesus did. How many of you are at your best the moment you wake up? <laughs> I got to tell you this. I was preaching this summer, and I said, my wife, she, it, till, till the second cup of coffee kicks in, she just, she just can't function. I said, she's some kind of a drug addict, I guess. And there was, there was an elderly lady sitting in the back of the building. And when I said that, she said, she'd have to be to be married to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. That was funny. <laughs> All right. So there was a great storm and then there was a great calm. Now, the Bible said, in verse 41, they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Can I show you? Can I answer that question for you? Mark, keep your finger right there. Come to Psalm 65. Psalm 65, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Psalm 65 Verse 1, Psalm 65, 1, praise waiteth for thee, say it. Come on, everybody, you there? Thank you, two people haven't, maybe you don't have a King James Bible, maybe it's not in your verse. Praise waiteth for thee, O God. All right, verse number 5, by terrible things in righteousness wilt thou answer us, O God of our salvation, who art the confidence of all the ends of the earth. So who are we talking about in Psalm 65? O God. We're talking about God. Everybody see that? That's easy to see. And he's the God of them that are far upon the sea, which by his strength setteth fast the mountains, being girded with, his, with power, which stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, and the tumult of the people. So the, here, look, here's the wind, here's the waves. And it, Jesus stands up on that ship and says, wind, still, waves, quiet, and they obey. And the men say, what manner of man is this? Psalm 65 is your answer. That man is God. That man is God in a body of human flesh. Only God can command the oceans. Only God can command the winds. And the man standing on that ship did it. How about that? And then I like, don't you like the end of the verse? He stilleth the noise of the seas. 
and the noise of the waves. But how about that third one? And the tumult of the people. See, the wind settled down and the waves settled down and then the sailors settled down. Somebody said the Lord dealt with them last because they're the hardest to control. <laughs> That's probably true. All right, now I want you to picture in your mind. Just tur turn to Psalm 107 with me and, and, and as soon as you get there, then, then we'll paint a little picture in our minds. Psalm 107. Don't you like to think that these disciples later when we get into the, the time period recorded in the book of Acts, you know, they're, they're traveling all day and then they're preaching and ministering and, and getting run out of town or getting a church started. And, and don't you know they did what we do? They sat around in the evening. They get the little campfire going and they'd, they'd prepare their meal and they'd sit and talk about the events of the day and what God did and what he'd done. They'd fellowship together. And then and just, just picture some of them sitting there around the fire. And, and, and Thomas says to, to, uh, to uh, James or to John, said, hey, how about, how about read us some scripture there, brother? And he opens up the Bible to Psalm 107. And he says, verse 23, they that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see, his work, see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. And old James and John, you know they were fishermen before the Lord called them. And they put the Bible down and said, man, don't you remember some of those times out there on that water? Remember when we pulled that up in the nets and never seen anything like that? Remember, remember that? And, and, and that's what people, that's what we do. They're talking, they're fellowshipping. And then he goes on. Read a little more there, brother. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man or at their wit's end. And that fellow puts that scripture down and they say, do you remember that storm? You remember that day we got on that boat with Jesus and how those waves, I never seen waves like that. And that wind, how that boat was tipping. And the one says, yeah, you remember how scared we were? At our wits end, I guess we were. Keep reading, brother. And the Bible says, verse 28, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Oh, did, did we ever. And he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. And they just look at each other. Man, we lived that. That happened to us. Wouldn't that have been exciting? Be reading that passage together and know that, that you went through that very experience. Bible says, then are they glad because they be quiet? So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. And they said to each other, look, here we are. I never thought we'd get through that one, did you? Not for a minute. I thought we were goners. But we made it to the other side, and here we are. Now, you know what I believe? Isn't this book eternal? Heaven and earth shall pass away. God's word shall not pass away. Can't you just see 10,000 years from now, 50,000 years from now, the folks from Golden Plains get together and just have a little fellowship up there in heaven? Preacher, read us the Bible like you used to. 
Brother Rob takes out that old book and starts reading from the scripture. Do you know how many times we're going to just stop and praise the Lord and stop and shout hallelujah and say, we live that. We live that. That happened to us. Right now, this book is a book we're trying to live by faith, and sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't, and sometimes we get it right, and a lot of times we get it wrong. But you know what? One day we're going to be on the other side, and we're going to say, God did that for us, and God did that for us, and God did that for us. and That's how it's going to be. Praise the Lord. Come back to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter number four. Here's a little thought for you, and then we'll wrap up. When the storm came, they feared the storm because they didn't know God's power. After the storm was over, they feared God. Look what it says, verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what matter of man is this? It's better to fear the Lord than to fear what man or nature or devil or time or circumstance might do. The greatest power on that sea is your God. Hallelujah. Well, verse 35. The same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. Is that, what he, is that the Lord's offer? Let us pass over unto the other side. Verse 37, great storm. Verse 37, wind, waves, full. Verse, verse 40, so fearful. Verse 40, no faith. Verse 41, feared exceedingly. Chapter 5, verse 1. And when they came over, Unto the other side of the sea. Not without storms, not without trouble, not without doubts, not without fear, but with Jesus, everybody that got on that ship made it to the other side. Are you saved tonight? I'm, listen, I'm sorry. We just, I got a call today. The fourth person, the fourth person this year in our church to find out they've got cancer. Two with leukemia. One had a wife to leave him. One had a child go out in the world. Those things aren't supposed to happen to save people, but they do. Those things aren't expected, but they come. But every single person that's on that ship whether they handle that trial right or fail in the trial, whether they sail through with flying colors or lose faith altogether, everybody that got on that ship is going to step out on the other side, safe and sound, because the captain, the captain has promised. I've been the captain, says Jesus, of the old ship of Zion for 2,000 years. Never lost a crew member. Had some that weren't such great sailors, but I kept them all. Are you saved tonight? Trouble's probably coming your way sooner than later. And you may, you may 
take it well and you may flip out. But if you're on that ship, it won't go down and you won't be thrown overboard and you will, with Jesus, make it to the other side. That's a blessing. That is a blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for inviting us to sail to the far shore. Thank you for, for not charging us. It's a, it's a free trip. What a blessing. And Lord, thank you for forgiving us of the way we so often fail along the way when the storms come and the troubles come. Oh, Lord, may we rest confidently in the truth of your word that everyone who's trusted Jesus will be carried by Jesus to the other side. Thank you, Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.